Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Value Line Observer, brought to you by the Value Guys. I'm Vern Value. And I'm Val Hughes. And we're 20-year Wall Street veterans that have taken on secret identities, adopted disguises, changed our voices, basically gone underground so that we can uh, bring you, well, really, actually, so we stay employed, but so we can bring you our unfiltered, candid views on stocks every week. Um, because we get together and go through that week's uh, Value Line Investment Survey. And uh, this one, I love this one uh, when it comes up because it's got a little of something for everybody. Do you have the um, hiccups or something? Yeah, I, I, something I ate earlier. What kind is of radio with people me. are we? I, you know, that's, maybe that's I should step have more, one. I think I should have more have to drink. Have a beverage. I'm have gonna a have beverage. More to should drink. I jump in now, or mm-hmm. are you going to do something else? No, no, I'm fine. That didn't go well. Uh, we want to remind. Well, it, this is you one got of my more fa- to talk about here, right? What about the caveats? I haven't gotten there yet. But you're already talking about the stocks. Yeah, no, I'm just what's talking the, about the issue the and how... What's the going to say about that? <laughs> what about the caveats? Okay, the caveats first, then, to keep Val Come happy. Come on, man. Uh, we want to remind caveats. everybody that we're doing this for entertainment purposes only. We may own all the stocks we're talking about. We may have other interests in how the stocks do. I, I Hopefully, most conflict. of our interests have been in them going down, which uh, has... Been the well, prevailing uh, mood. They, they have been going down until no just. Question. I mean, just this month, recently, the strongest month weeks. since when? Nineteen eighty-three, I think. Oh, uh, I don't know. I didn't. See I think that. for the S and P five hundred, maybe. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. I didn't um, see that. So uh, please visit our website. There's a lot of other caveats that you should know about. Our attorneys tell us to tell you that. Uh, that website is, of course, www.thevalueguys.com. Um, in the second half of the show, I'm going to come back with, uh, as I always do, three really superior ideas with, uh, you know, great theses. Now, <laughs> of course, I think the stocks have mostly been going down, although I've got a couple here that are up a lot off their bottoms. Some and, go uh, up sometimes. Yeah, that's, it does happen occasionally. Uh, but first, I'm going to turn the show over to that audacious advocate for the common man, Val Am I? I doubt I'm that, actually. Uh, what I am is an audacious advocate of value. So are, are we doing a toast right now? Mm-hmm. It's morning someplace. I was. You missed it. Anyway, every week as I do, I'm going to just try to talk about three pretty decent value ideas out of this week's value line. Um, I do keep my best ideas on the web, uh, and I put them in at cost. It's at uh, www.thevalueguys.com. There's a button there for Val's best ideas. I'm not proud of it. Let me just say, a lot of red going back. But, um, you know, I revisit the list, and most of these ideas are built around cash flow, cash flow yields, enduring franchises, and um, in many cases, uh, you know, I've bought more. This week, we've got, again, needs not once is my theme during this period. A lot of discretionary spending is going to have to go away because people won't be able to borrow as much, obviously. <laughs> because they won't have any. <clears throat> well, you can go and get these numbers at the St. Louis Federal Reserve online, and you look at how much banking, uh, how much lending capacity has come out of the system, and you just can look at how much debt is necessary every year to an economy of $14 trillion. And it starts to suggest that over many years – uh, just the growth rate's going to have to slow, and some point 10 years out, uh, we're going to have to live with a better balance sheet, and that's going to mean uh, we're going to be a little, you know, we're going to have a little less growth than we well, might have had the last 10 years. It's not austerity. Uh, we're going to still grow, and I believe that, um, you know, wealth per capita, we've taken a hit here. It's not unlike other hits in other times. It's bad, but, you know, it's been bad. 
and there's been about 20 of these things in the last couple hundred years, and we managed to take about eight steps forward and one back, if you do the math. And that's better than what your mom said was going to happen. So we're just in that one back right now, and if you can stay with needs, not wants, I think you'll be well rewarded. This week I took a look at two, or I guess three areas. Uh, two are really needs, and one I'm going to say is a need, even though you would argue that it isn't. Uh, first up, AT&T, page 709. Um, why is this a need, not a want? Because it's a communication, and that is a human need. I guess it's our advantage over other species. So uh, AT&T has a couple of things going, and that is about 100 years of data demand, originally voice, now voice and data, demand outpacing GDP uh, by, you know, depending on what time period, but two to three times uh, GDP over 100 years. And, you know, that seems to be Communication continued. and logistics, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. Now, I looked at two others this week, Verizon and Quest, and I like to do a little compare and contrast because I'm choosing AT&T over Verizon and Quest. I'm going to try to watch my time and do this, but um, I'm choosing AT&T. Why? Well, first off, brand, AT&T. You know, it's a worldwide brand, and even if you, if you think communications is a bit of a commodity, it helps to have brand, and they have it. Verizon, listen, we're all fans, okay? It's great. Uh, but uh, AT&T is a brand that can go worldwide. They still have the exclusivity on the iPhone, at least here. And um, they are rolling out this U-verse, which is a competitor to cable, and starts to explain why they sold their Comcast business so many years ago, because they obviously had this thing in the lab where they're bringing cable television into your house over, I believe, DSL lines. It's amazing, but uh, they've got that going. Uh, they also have a 6.5% yield. Uh, they're trading five times gross cash flow, ten times free cash flow. They put up, uh, you know, mid-teens return on equity. Now, this is the old SBC Communications, which was one of the baby bells. Yeah, who's the who's AT&T morphed into what? Well, AT&T, you know, uh, broke up because of the monopoly they had back in the 80s. Judge Green broke them up into the seven baby bells and AT&T. AT&T... Uh, turned into this sort of just little long-distance company, and they had wireless, they bought cable. SBC got very big. They gobbled so up So it was just Ameritech. one of the baby bells? This is one of the baby bells that gobbled up. up half the baby bells. Okay. All right. uh, Ameritech, I think they got. Uh, Southwest right. Bell, maybe. Pactel. Uh, I believe, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not actually sure here. I believe, um, oh, here they say here, Bell South. You know, it's about half the old AT&T network. And then when AT&T, the parent, got weak, the old, uh, you know, baby bell bought the parent and took on the brand. I mean, it's a really nice story when you think about it. Um, and rather than be whatever they were going to be, Bell South, they chose the brand of the parent, which was a better international brand. The point being that this is apt to grow on a unit basis faster than GDP. Returns have been decent over time. Uh, Value Line reports this like a utility, so it's hard to tell you the margins and that sort of thing just from this well, isn't analysis. pricing typically a negative? Well, what's always happened is that units outpace, unit growth outpaces the slow decline in uh, ah. price per minute. I mean, okay. if, when, when I was a little kid, if you had a long-distance call, 
you know, it was cut to three minutes. Otherwise, the price jumped to like $1,000 or something like that. I forget. I just It seemed like my mom would just go berserk if you were on the long-distance Don't call, call the West Coast long. unless right, it's exactly. between 2 a.m. and 5 a.m. So, I mean, we've come a long way from that when you can download, you know, movies and such on your iPhone. Um, and so, obviously, price per unit's come down a lot. Volume's gone up more. And I think as this rolls out as a function of wealth, AT&T, as a brand that puts up decent returns, is going to win. They've got the landline business. Uh, they've got the cell phone business. They've got the international long-distance business. And increasingly, they're going to compete on a cable basis where I think they may be gaining share. The reason I chose it over Verizon is largely brand. Most of the numbers are roughly the same if you look, look at it yourself. Yield is a little bit higher in AT&T, but, you know, that moves around. Quest is one I've talked about in the past, and, you know, we made a little money on it. It went back down. It's up. It's the old U.S. West. Um, it could be a turnaround. It's a 9% yield, so the, you know, the risky-minded could buy this. It's apt to succeed, although they don't have all the advantages of having, uh, you know, what, wireless and cable and all the things that AT&T has, so I'm going to pass on that this week, but it does have a 9% yield. So, AT&T, page 709. Next up, uh, I looked through the healthcare area, needs not once, and I had a couple of names in here that I knew, which were uh, the drugstores Walgreens, CVS, which are priced about the same, and they're delivering healthcare at a retail level. Uh, CVS owns Caremark, the PBM. Uh, Walgreens is getting into the doctor business and drives traffic, one of the great retailers. But I passed on those because their returns on capital are lower than uh, these PBMs. Now, CVS owns a PBM, but it's attached to a fairly low ROI uh, drugstore. I'm looking at Express Scripts, page 772, and Catalyst Health, page 771. And what I like about these guys is they're basically, they've morphed into uh, the, the guys that so yeah, it's called judicate uh, claims, which means sort of get the claim, make sure all the paperwork's right, get the right price for everything, make sure you're buying at uh, the best price available, shop around for that, hook up with the best pharmacy. And it's, it's usually a product that's bought by, you know, your health care provider. They sub out uh, the, the sort of pharmacy side of it to these guys who then have deals with all the retailers and have deals with the pharma companies to get best price, et cetera. Now, because um, drugs are such an efficient way to deliver health care, in other words, it's a small piece of the total budget but delivers a lot of, you know, wellness, they can carve out a big margin on saving money, and drugstore drug companies make such a high gross margin that they just carve out some money for these guys. It's just if it's a sales expense, and in return, these guys deliver you know, reports about market share and things like that to the drug companies. So there was an issue a few years ago about, you know, the legality of all that in the sense of one of the revenue streams here was foolishly named rebates many years ago, and some smart congressman thought that rebate meant not appropriate when it was just badly named. They're through all that sort of stuff now, and they're just growing at a little bit of premium to healthcare growth overall, which is gaining share to GDP. In the case of Express Scripts, they put up, uh, you know, they're big, which I don't necessarily like about them, but they have so many positives. How big? Well, they're $12 billion and they're putting up $23 billion in revenue. And I'm looking at this little Catalyst Yikes. Health, $3 billion, 
15% on capital. So Much smaller exp- target for well, the uh, coming bureaucracy. Yeah, it, it is. And Express Scripts, I think, is so big that they're at the edge of the envelope on how big they can grow and how fast they can grow. Catalyst can just copy what Express Scripts did and maybe grow a little faster, improve their returns on capital because they're nowhere near Express Scripts returns, and that's just a function of size. So in a weird quirk... I'm actually going to recommend Catalyst Health, C-H-S-I, on page 771 for reasons you wouldn't expect. It's got a lower return on capital, but that means it can get better, uh, whereas Express Scripts is at the edge of the envelope. It's also got lower margins, but that, in my opinion, means it's going to get better. Express Scripts is already at the edge of the envelope. And why I say that is because they look like Express Scripts did eight years ago, and Express Scripts marched down the path of margin improvements, and I think these guys will slowly gain share. They're priced at a discount to Express Scripts on cash flow nine times. Um, Express is at 11, and that's got to be because of these superior metrics. But, you know, when you think about saturation and limits to growth, a guy that can sort of copy the best guy, gain share under the radar, and is priced less Um, Sometimes you have to look at the metrics of the future, and on this one I will. Catalyst Health, CHSI, page 771. And then finally, this is where I'm going to have to stretch a little bit, Vern, on the needs. If you need to take a little of my time, don't worry about it. I don't want to take any of your time. Do I seem like that sort of person? Just letting you know. I don't want to. I don't want to. I'd rather get back to my prime objective. This is fascinating, and you still have one to go. Well, I'm just, I I really have a more uh, important purpose for being here. Oh, Uh, dead dead air. That wasn't good. No, I just had to take a drink there. Okay, finally. You know, you could have said something during that time, Vern. You didn't have to just let it sit there and then blame me. I was was eating a cracker, actually. So we both were goofing off. Sorry about that. Okay, my last one this week Sally Beauty. SBH, page 813. Uh, I I looked at that. Did you? Yeah. Okay. Well, good. I got a little concerned about um, just the retail risk. Yeah. Well, what they do is they are, uh, and I own it. Do they do a lot of direct marketing? Why don't we say what they do first? Mm. What they do, and this is the need not want thing, they are a distributor of professional beauty supplies in the United States and internationally. They have a retail division that sells in off-price locations, a full line of, you know, salon-quality products, but off-price because it's private label. And then they have a distribution business that serves beauty salons, again, with off-price stuff that can be private label. All this private label stuff means more margin for the retailer, and in the case of Sally Beauty, uh, they have a higher margin, and they pay a little less for real estate. That's usually a winning combination. Well, see, that's one of my worries is they – they seem to be in sort of secondary uh, retail malls and strip centers right. and places where a lot of people are going out of business. Well, that's... And I worry about just traffic to the site. Yeah, okay. Well, those empty spaces are eventually going to get filled because price will meet demand. Right. And th- this place is kind of a destination. They attract value shoppers and value shoppers Huge understand... Huge selection. Value right. shoppers understand that they need to... Uh, travel to a secondary location. That's been working for them for a long time. Um, the thing came public in 06. It was a spin-out, I think, from... Uh, I forget Doesn't who. Doesn't it say there in the... I forget There's who. a little history there. Yeah. It was a spin-out from uh, L'Oreal or one of the big... You know, it was an in-house distributor for one of the beauty salon 
um, wasn't product it. manufacturers. And it had a big piece bought by a private equity firm, and it was bought at prices that were above this level, eight, nine bucks a share. The big problem with it is debt, debt that was paid to their former parent, uh, and people don't like that. But what I'm attracted to is a couple of things. The valuation, seven times gross cash flow, ten times free. There are cheaper stocks, but this thing, the top line, has been yeah, very one. stable. And on a free cash flow basis, uh, that's about a 10% cash on cash return. I think they're going to grow a little faster than GDP. The reason to argue this is a need, not a want, is that it's it's makeup and beauty supplies, and people that need to save money are going to trade down before they're going to stop using beauty supplies. That's been you know seen through history. So I think it's stable in that sense. Uh, they put up a tremendous return on capital at 17% and just getting better. They are paying down debt. Uh, and they would love to buy stock back once the debt gets paid down. They have negative equity, which keeps a lot of people out. And I just think this is one that over time is going to slowly improve the value You know, every year as they you know, slowly generate positive cash flow and work their way out of this. And ultimately, it's a, it's a target uh, for somebody you know, at, at 10 or better. So um, I didn't do a good job on that. I was hoping to do more work on it, but eh, what have you. I didn't get a sense of how much work you did this week. Um, I had a little less time than I was hoping a little, to. A little less the, than the usual. The Sally Beauty story is just, here it is, it's the theme. Beauty I thought goes we already, with wealth. We've already heard that. And, okay. and it's just cheap as hell. That's all I've got. And What's the symbol? Um, it's SBS. For, and with okay. that, right. let me turn it over to Vern Value. Wow. Who's got Still there, uh, I hope. Hang in. I've got some good ideas coming. Yeah, that people know that. Beverage break? People know that's not true, Vern. I mean, now, why I, would you say so? Well, I question that? your credentials as a value guy. You seem to sometimes recommend growth. I'm just going to come out and say that. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, well, well, I do have a, I do have a couple of growth ideas here well, at value prices. Okay. I didn't even look at, at value prices. That's a trap. That's a trap. We'll see. Uh, the first one I want to talk about, it really plays to the same theme you had with uh, AT&T, you know, the faster unit growth for global telecommunications. And uh, increasing um, a, a rate of increase in terms of capacity that just recently had not been keeping up with underlying fundamental growth, particularly because of broadband. But, um, you know, the, the, the global recession slows that down a bit, perhaps. But uh, if you're involved in that infrastructure, I think you have great opportunities like Ericsson, Tel, I don't know, telecommunications? No, telephone. Um, this is a company based in Sweden. Uh, symbol Sweden. is Eric, E-R-I-C. All right. And I think that's one of the advantages. They, they do, apparent, according to Value Line, they do 30%. This is uh, basically primarily hardware, advanced systems and products for wired and mobile telecom networks. The network business is about 70% of revenue. They have a services division that's about a quarter. And then I don't know what multimedia is, about 10%. But... They've taken the uh, the old cellular handset business where they used to be a leader, um, competed very well with Nokia, um, that has been turned into a joint venture with Sony now. And they've taken that all out of the uh, revenue picture. Um, you know, it's a 50-50 deal, so uh, you have to look for it in the valuation. You're not going to necessarily pick it up on a cash flow They're number. They're big rest of the world, I'm assuming. Well, they're not, they're not going to be pulling a lot of cash out of that business unless they really need to. And even though the company has $3.9 billion of debt, it has $9.5 billion of cash, at least at the end of 2008. Fifteen percent of capital is uh, 
is debt, and less than half of that's due in the next five years. So very strong balance sheet. I was going to say earlier they do 30% of their business in Asia, 25% in Western Europe, the old, you know, the traditional home for the business, another 25% in more rapidly growing Central Europe, um, and do like 10% each in Latin America and North America. So uh, modest exposure here. And I think when you go to uh, uh, try to do business in the rest of the world, not being an American company right now can be a small edge in a very competitive business. The stock is not 934 on the as value line printed, uh, closed, I think closed today at 808. Oh, so right. about an $8 stock with two bucks of excess cash. It's really a $6 stock. I'm sorry? How could it be down this week? Bad news. There's been a, a slight run in the stock. This has bounced. A lot of very cyclical um, stuff has bounced nicely in the last month. Um, mm. And um, those, some of those have come in for some significant selling the last couple of days. Hmm. Um, now, let's see. We covered symbol. The, the yield here is, uh, well, more than the 2.1% the value line showing. So over 2%, and they've already cut it in half. Okay, so there's... Uh, there's less dividend risk here than uh, you would normally or that you would see elsewhere. If I correct the equity market cap, um, I subtract the surplus cash. I have an enterprise value a little under $20 billion. Uh, right now, value line's looking for about $3 billion in net income. So it's about a six and a half times, I'm sorry, not in net income, in EBITDA or what they call operating uh, income, operating margin times sales. Uh, I have about a six and a half multiple, and in a way, as we like to talk, that's close to a proxy for a cash-on-cash cash return. If I invested this much by the company, the $20 billion, uh, I'd be able to take, in this case, what, 15% uh, uh, a year out of the business? Yeah. That's a six-and-a-half multiple. So um, in a business where supply, there's an opportunity for supply to uh, grow faster than demand in the coming up cycle where the stock's already been – discounted significantly for that risk and where, you know, I, I got to wonder about how much the handset business is still worth, but if it's two, three, four billion dollars, it starts to make a difference in terms of per share value of Ericsson where I'm at seven times gross cash flow, 10 times free cash flow without any contribution. What are they, the uh, venture. is our, uh, they've been losing are handsets share. a big deal to them or wireless. What are they doing no. about the iPhone? They're not, what is Sony Ericsson doing? Yeah, are they? I, I, I have no idea. Them? I okay. have no idea. But I don't think they're there. You know, they're behind. We don't know about that. But uh, I think the the story's interesting on the uh, the network business. And then the other two uh, stocks, I looked at auto parts. These stocks have bounced significantly in most cases. These two are up uh, a lot uh, as of today, you know, from where they uh, show in the value line sheets. Johnson Controls first. So I think you really got to be careful with auto parts because a lot of these stocks are up a lot. And um, really, I mean, this is going to be bad news for a while. They've rebounded because it looks pretty clear that the U.S. government is not going to let GM and maybe not even Chrysler go bankrupt. Um, they've also announced uh, in the last week or 10 days a $5 billion loan program for auto suppliers. Who knows what kinds of restrictions they'll come with, but uh, there's apparently going to be some capital available. Um, these stocks are down huge from where they had been at one point in time. Um, Johnson & Trolls peaked at almost $45. Value line showing 10 It's actually 12 and a half. Uh, it's less than 10 times a... Gross cash flow number that's down by something like 70%. 
And uh, the reason that I'm attracted here is I've got a better than 5% yield. They're not earning it right now, but half of the earnings of this business are not dependent on the auto parts business. Half of them are in the uh, environmental control business inside of a building. This is a significant play on energy efficiency when you consider that I think they account for something like 40% of wasted energy is in buildings worldwide. I've heard um, that, yes. Yeah, so um, there's there's a, a significant piece of the value of this company has nothing to do with auto parts. Um, I can get this for about 10 times EBITDA right now, so 10% cash on cash based on an EBITDA number that's down more than half. And again, from a base where half of the business is the HVAC-oriented stuff, according to Value Line, the most recent quarter, the building efficiency group had sales decline by 5%. Okay, this is auto businesses down 35 40%, that kind of stuff. So very solid, very attractive name in a space where uh, only the strongest are going to survive uh, that's available at what looks like very uh, attractive valuation. Then I've got a, more, a stronger unit growth story that's really pure auto. Uh, that we've talked about before, and again, this stock has uh, stabilized in the high single-digit kind of uh, price range, 1036 as of today. I don't know why this isn't a takeout candidate. Uh, virtually no all of their get any money probably. Virtually all of their business is in advanced rear-view mirrors, where they have essentially with innovation and um, dependable quality and delivery, I'm taking advantage of scale advantages. Uh, basically competed Donnelly out of the business, and they have they don't they don't have a hundred percent market share, but they control this market and they get better pricing than the average supplier. Their operating margins at one point in time have been in the thirties, more recently north of twenty percent, expected to be with revenue down. Uh, looks like something like twenty percent off of peak, twenty five percent off of peak. They're still earning a seventeen and a half percent operating margin according to Value Line. Return on capital. Um, it has slipped to a single-digit kind of number because this is basically an overcapitalized business. They have no debt. They have $300 million of cash sitting on the balance sheet. So in a point in time when the key concern for auto parts companies is the, when capacity starts back up, when production starts back up, how, how much working capital can they finance until the auto companies start paying them at the higher volume levels that – they have to go to, and that's why you need a loan program. A company like Gentex looks advantaged there. Um, I can buy this for about 13 times EBITDA right now, but again, to make the point, this is based on an EBITDA number that is down by something like What's half. What's an advanced uh, rearview mirror? Well, the, the advantage Does here is that itself? you're trying to pre present more information to the driver in a digital form, visual form. And when you do it with heads-up display, you really have to be sitting in exactly the right spot in the cockpit. It's distracting because you're changing your focal length when you're looking in the, in the same place. When you look at the rearview mirror, you expect to shorten your focal length, and so you're ready for more information if there's more than just what's behind you. Very, very thoughtful. So it's a natural place to put. I mean, they're putting things like thermometers, and but you could put uh, radio information there, et cetera. Sure, so, why not? A lot of room for I innovation. GNTX is the symbol. This also has a 5% yield. I don't know where they're at on this. Johnson Controls this week announced a huge incremental restructuring. They're going to close another 10 plants. That'll be 28 out from peak. Uh, I don't know what Gentex is doing in terms of cost reduction. Um, Value Line is talking about share repurchases. I don't think so. I think you'll see these companies preserve liquidity in the short term. So why can't I buy it out? Uh, it says here officers and directors own 5%. So 
I, I can't call it my favorite idea because it's all auto. I think my favorite idea will be Johnson Controls. And for you, Val, what? Uh, well, I'm uh, I'm week? torn. You know, oh, I own the you, Sally you, Beauty. You look distressed. But there's a lot of leverage there, and who knows? I mean, I'm not sure about all that. The thing I really like is this Catalyst Health, which I think is going to close the competitive gap to Express Scripts just because it's a tiny fly on their uh, in their market. So uh, Catalyst, C-H-S-I. We'll That's see you next good. week, folks. Bye, Thanks for listening.